and fan the flame. That's what we're going after, all right? May God get all the glory all year long in 2021. No matter the circumstance, I will look to my King. Love being able to get together and remember that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, that He's our hope, that He is our promise. Man, we lean on Him, and our sin is covered because of His work at the cross. We're talking in a series now about what it means to fan the flame. It means the church that knows who Jesus Christ is. And all of God's people said, man, fan the flame. It means we celebrate the one who's in charge. And it means we give him our lives individually, as a family, and as a church corporately. May God get all the glory. That's what we're here for, to lift him up and to celebrate him with all we've got. You know, this sermon series that we're in is in the book of 2 Timothy. And as we're walking through 2 Timothy, he really broke it down into three sections. That first section was all on trials. Like, how do we handle hardships? And fanning the flame in the middle of those trials. And now we're in this section on truth. How do we handle what is right, what is true, what is God-honoring, what is from Him, what is in His Word? Truth. And then the last piece we'll be looking at is how do we handle testimony? Testimony. And being able to put all of those together fans the flame on our heart and soul as we go after him. Today we're looking at truth. Know the plan. Man, this is just a short few verses, but I cannot tell you how important this perspective is. Absolutely essential that we have this perspective nailed down. So here we go. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 10. 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 10. Point number one, desire to know God and live for Him. Desire to know God and live for Him. This passion that we have, this hope that we have of following after Christ and following after others who follow after Christ. Paul starts out in verse 10 here. He says, you, however have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. We'll hold there. Paul starts out, you, however, and this you in the original language, it's in the singular. This is you singular, like one person, you. This is talking to Timothy. He's not talking to the whole church here. He's not talking to all believers. It's true that we can actually adopt this fact, but this is Paul talking to Timothy. And he says, you, Timothy, however, and he's talking here about comparing him. When he says, however, he's looking back in the prior verses where he talked about those people who were lovers of self, those people who were destructive in the church, those people who went after sharing in the church in a way that tore it down and caused disunity. He's like, you, however, right? So he's beginning to contradict that. He's looking to the opposite side and he's like, Timothy, you had your act together. He says, you have followed. Paul was his mentor. Paul was Timothy's trainer. Paul shaped him on how to lead the church, how to be a pastor of the church. And Paul was beginning to guide him here. He's like, you have followed. And then he gives a list. So just like last week's list, which was pretty much a horrifying list of all the things you could do wrong as you went after being a lover of self, now he's giving what it looks like to follow after Christ. He's like, you, however, have followed my teaching. 
Paul, he's like, I'm just telling you, my insights, my words, the things that I shared about God's word, he was making clear the Old Testament, how it tied into what would be the New Testament, the hope of Jesus Christ. He's like, you followed my teaching, the words that he shared. Everybody just say his words. He followed his words. And then the second part, and my conduct. This is the things he did. Right? Whether it was in public or in private, Timothy hung with them all the time. And so he saw the things that Paul did. He saw how he reacted, his actions, right? Everybody just say his actions. And those two things speak loudly, your words and your actions. And Paul leads with those two, his teaching and his conduct. He says, and my aim in life. And Paul had a life purpose, a target, a goal, and uh, you know, we often talk, my daughters are uh, deer hunters. Uh, they've ended up deer hunting with me and with the family over the years. And, and in teaching them in shooting, there was a very specific statement that we ended up using. It was actually a quote that ended up getting used in a movie and stuff as of recent, but aim small, miss small. Like that is a quote that's been used for centuries. Where you aim is what you'll hit. Make sure you know exactly what you're aiming at. Tight and specific, hit exactly what your target is. Paul's like, I had a very specific target, and I was aiming very specifically at it. Aim small, miss small. Paul's like, yeah, I've got this aim in life. I know what I'm going after. My aim is to make sure that Jesus Christ gets all the glory. And he's like, and my faith, this is his life, his trust in God Almighty, his hope in who Jesus Christ is. Paul believes that Jesus Christ is God. Paul believes that Jesus Christ came to this earth, humbled himself. Paul believed that Jesus died and rose again, that we might have forgiveness. Paul's faith was putting his whole life in that God, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's like, Timothy, you're following after my faith. Timothy was rocked by Jesus Christ as well and giving it all to him. And he said, and you followed my patience. Can you imagine writing those words down? Like you got to have your act together when you're like, you followed my patience. For most of us, let's be honest, we'd be like, don't follow my model of what patience looks like. Right? And he's like, but you followed my patience. Right before this, he just got done saying at the end of chapter 2 that you need to endure with patience evil and struggle and heartache. Paul lived that out. He was a model of patience. In fact, I'll just say patience probably best understood as an attitude going on inside. Patience is kind of your mental approach, your heart approach towards evil, towards wrong, towards somebody wronging you. Patience. It's kind of your attitude in the midst. It's your view um, against being selfish and destructive. Patience. I just wrote a phrase down here as I was thinking about it this week, a good challenge for all of us. Um, when it goes differently than what you want, what are your thoughts? When it goes differently than what you want, what are your thoughts? What runs through your head? How dare they? What's up with that? Don't they understand that? Is that what goes through your head? Or is it like, okay, then this is the way we're rolling. All right, Lord, I'm here and I'm ready to go after 
What are your thoughts when it goes differently than what you wanted, than what you think is right? Are you patient in the process? And that's a huge call. We're going to bookend that with another quote in just a second, another uh, statement I made. So let's just move forward. My patience, my love. This word in the original language is the word agape. This is the word that God is. It says God is agape. God is sacrificial love. Paul's like, I gave a sacrificial love. I laid it on the line. I made sure that others were cared for before myself. I made sure that God was cared for before myself. Paul put it in this simple statement, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. He laid the love on the line. Care. And these are huge callings. And then he says, and my steadfastness. When I originally was looking this up, I was like, what is the difference between patience and steadfastness? And I'll just say it this way, maybe a good way to think of it. We talked about patience is that attitude inside, that thinking or that heart position. Steadfastness is really kind of that end result. It's that what comes out when, right? Patience speaks to the mindset. Steadfastness speaks to the results or the actions. Steadfastness, it's holding in there. It's anchoring your feet and not moving. It's standing strong to what you need to stand strong to. It's remaining under well, that's what the word actually means in the original language. To put a load on your back and hold up under well. That's steadfastness. And uh, so the question we had just asked about patience, when it goes differently than what you want, what are your thoughts? Maybe here's another quote for this one. When it goes differently than what you want, how do you act? When it goes differently than what you want, how do you act? Just so you know, those two are amazingly tied together. What I start thinking inside will directly affect how it spills out and how I act. Patience and steadfastness are tied side by side. So how is your patience? How is your steadfastness? How do you handle when things wash up on your shore that maybe you believe are dead wrong, unfair, inappropriate? Is the patience and the steadfastness part of it? Paul's like, Timothy, you were following that in me. And then he says, in my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Paul is beginning to share here about an experience he had. In fact, if you want to look it up, you can look the details up. It's Acts chapter 13 and 14. Acts chapters 13 and 14 but what happened there is Paul walked into Antioch and then eventually Iconium and then Lystra and he began to share with them. He's like, you just need to understand, here's what the Old Testament is about. This is what they're talking, this is who the Messiah is. And so I'm telling you, the one promise that's coming, Jesus Christ, he came and there ended up being Jews who ended up putting him on a cross and crucifying, but that was the plan. He is the lamb. He is our sacrifice. He is our hope. He is our God. And as he began to unleash this hope in Jesus Christ, there were many Jews who did not think kindly of those words. And they came after him hard. In fact, they caught wind that they might end up getting stoned. So they ended up moving on to Iconium. There they ended up being misunderstood throughout this whole thing. They ended up being called imposters and jokes. On the other side, they were called Zeus. Maybe your God, 
They started thinking of him as a Greek god or something, mistaken. As he ended up going, no, no, don't do that. Don't give the credit to me. There was a miracle healing, but it's not me. It's my God. I'm telling you. I'm showing you. It's Jesus Christ. Go to him. As he took the stand for Christ, they ended up picking up stones. By the way, that's not pebbles. That's stones. And as they threw them at him, they began to hit him and knock him down, hit him in the head with stones the size of your fist as you hold it out. And as this smacked him and took him down, it ended up knocking him unconscious. It ended up drawing blood. It ended up bruising violently. The reality is they stoned in order to kill. They ended up grabbing him and dragging him out of the city thinking he was dead and they left him there. Like, that's what you get. Now be quiet with all that. And he walked, they walked away from him and left him. It says left for dead. Paul ended up coming around. God protected him in that. He was, as he says here, rescued from it. He ended up standing up, shaking the dust off and he's like, it's not gonna stop me. And he began to share the word again. Paul's like, you saw me in the middle of the persecutions. You saw me as I took the stones. You saw how I lived with patience, with steadfastness, with love. As we lean back in with one aim to give Christ all the glory. Man, I will lay it on the line for Christ and whatever comes my way, then that's what comes. That's what Paul was saying. And that's a huge Huge sacrifice, a massive commitment along the way. And are you there? Paul's like, Timothy, you were following me in that commitment. And you recognize that there's going to be punishment as we take a stand for Christ. And take a look in this situation today, 2020 and 2021. I'm telling you, the more we start to take a stand for Christ, the more we're going to contradict the world. And we must stand for Christ. And all of God's people said, man, that's our call. Get ready. May we follow Paul who's following Christ. May we follow his example. By the way, notice how I didn't say, may we follow me. May we follow my example of patience. Dude, follow Paul's example of patience. Let's get this together, all of us, as we work this out and say, Lord God, I'm ready to follow you. Are you in? May God get the glory. And there was a guy who was asked to be a biographer. He was hired by the uh, communist China regime. Communist China hired him. They asked him to write this biography to specifically reveal some of the facts and truths about a man. And they wanted people to know. This person that communist China asked him to write about was Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor. Now, you may not know who that is. Maybe you do. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. There are thousands upon thousands of people who came to trust Christ because of Hudson Taylor and this exact set of statements, because of his patience and his steadfastness, because of his love and his care, because he took a stand for Jesus Christ and he would not back down. And many came to trust Christ. And communist China was like, write a biography. That should settle weird. Like, what were they doing? That's where they stood? Well, here's what they actually said to the guy. Write a biography, use the facts, but twist them. 
I want every fact used in a way that comes off poorly against the guy. I want people to think ill of this guy. I want people to move away from him. I want him having less influence. It's time for you to write what looks like fact, but it's not fact, and twist it all and make a new narrative. Write a biography that's a lie, but use the facts to twist it along the way. So this man sat down. He started studying the life of Hudson Taylor. He started looking at the details. At one point, his summary was, I am stunned by the saintly character of this man and his approach to punishment and pain. At one point, he wrote, this man is godly in his response. I don't know what I think of this. He was beginning to wrestle through these things. And finally, one day, after a number of months of study, he ended up setting aside the facts that he was reading And he fell down to his knees and he raised his hands in the air and he said, Lord God, I give you my atheism. I am done. There is a savior. His name is Jesus Christ. I have met him in the man called Hudson Taylor and I follow you. May you get all my worship and praise. He continued to finish that biography, which strangely China did not like, right? And the reality was in the end, his worship was fired up because of the walk of a man and the following of Jesus Christ and the truth of who he is. Man, may we have an aim that Christ gets all the glory. May we have a commitment in my patience, in my steadfastness, in my love, in my faith, in my following of Christ. May others be drawn to him. So simple calling. So how are you doing at following Christ? How are you doing at finding another around you that's following Christ where you together can go after it with each other and make much of your Savior? Or maybe here's the toughest question. If somebody were to read your biography afterwards of your life and choices, would your words and would your actions influence someone to come to Christ? May we follow Christ. And all of God's people said. Huge call. Second, he says, Accept, expect struggle as you stand with Jesus and expect the godless to seem to have it easier. Let me say that one more time. Expect struggle as you stand with Jesus and expect the godless to seem to have it easier. You're like, Well, that's not a very uplifting point, you know? And and the reality is this is a biblical position that we must understand. I'm just going to say it this way. As we walk through this verse or two here, please grasp this. The health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is not biblical. The follow Jesus, you'll have no problems. Just say it outright and he'll give it to you whatever you want. Dude, that is so not what it is. Jesus is not our magic genie, and this world does not have the goal of making us comfortable here and now. Paradise is for there and then. So here's what he actually says. He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. I'm just letting those words settle for a moment. All those who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. Let me say it this way. We are told in scripture that Satan has been made the God of this world, little g God, 
He has a little bit of rain for a little bit of time, and then it will be taken away. It has been given over, and it will be taken away. The cross has been the victory, and Christ will come again to reign forever. And when he comes, Satan will be done. But at the moment, he is a little G influencer in this world, a little G God. And let me tell you, if you choose to say, I'm following Jesus Christ, if you choose to say, I long to be a light in this dark world, we do take a stand and we cause war with that one. And there is a battle to be had. And we do need to know it. Time to be sobered up and awakened. We stand against in order to stand for. We stand with Jesus Christ and we will battle with him with all we've got. And in that godly attempt and drive, there will be persecution that comes. Amen. We live in America. Praise God that right now persecution at the largest level is like somebody going, you know, I don't think so. Or they say, I don't agree with you. Uh, or maybe the worst of it right now is where it's escalated up to the cancel culture. Get ready. There's going to be more and more coming as we take a stand in this broken world for our God who is the light. May we stand with our King and worship Him. He is God Almighty. And all of God's people said. These are big, big words. The plan is pretty simple. I just wrote these words down. In a dark and broken world, we are called to bring love with patience and endurance. In a dark and broken world, we are called to bring love with endurance and patience. The earmark of a believer will be our patience, our steadfastness, our endurance, our love, and our faith, all for Jesus Christ. Not directed hatred against, but directed love towards. Are you hearing me? Directed love towards. That is the call. May God get all the glory. He says, yeah, if we go after this godly life, we will be persecuted. Then he says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul made this observation 2,000 years ago. He's like, just so we're clear, those who seem to line up with what Satan's going after, not a lot of resistance there. It just seems to keep going. And as they go after this bad behavior, this serious impostorship, they seem to just get influence to continue it on and on. There seems to be more and more selfishness in the world. It seems to be that those people don't find it difficult. What's up with that? Know this. Here's what's up. God's doing something in the whole picture, not just right here and right now. And all too often, we long to make this paradise. And we're like, where is God in this? God is coming again on a white horse to put an end to evil. And in the moment, he is letting it run rampant so that it shows its full face and it's done. Jesus Christ is coming again and he is king of kings. And all of God's people said, amen, amen man. So in the here and the now, amen. So in the here and the now, our whining is not, Lord God, why is it so much easier for them? It's because they're aligning with Satan and Satan's taking them on a train wreck run. It's, Lord God, I long to worship you no matter what it costs. May you get all the glory. I'm in. And this is a huge call. May Christ get our everything in worship. This place is not paradise. Newsflash. 
This place is not paradise. This place is far from it, but it is preparation. As we long for Jesus Christ, as we stand by him and we can't wait to see him get all the glory. Let's look forward to our king getting all his worship. Let's remember what he did at the cross and let's look forward to his second coming and beyond as Christ reigns forever. Ready? No more pain. No more sorrow. No more heartache. No more wanting, no more needing, no more death. All over Christ will have it in hand. And in the meantime, with steadfastness and patience, we look to Jesus Christ and we long for him to get the glory. May God get our everyday worship in this broken world. And all of God's people said, dude, there's a lot of people selling a lot of things that don't sound anything like that. This is scripture straight up, straight out. Are we ready to soak this in? Lord God, I stand with you and I worship you. You will get all my praise. May we be an expert in our worship, not an expert in our whining. May we be an expert of what Jesus is accomplishing, not an expert of what they're failing in, whoever they are and whatever the failure is. May God get all the glory. That's our celebration. So I just put a few words down here to close this out. There are going to be some big worship statements about Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God, and He is our hope, Jesus. So you're going to have one job. Your job is just to cry out the words, behold Him. So say it loud, say it big. Say it louder, say it bigger. Okay, here we go. After each phrase, ready? Jesus Christ, He is our Creator. Man, may we truly celebrate that he speaks and we exist. Jesus Christ, he is our example. Man, behold him. He came to this earth. He became a man. He humbled himself. Behold him. Jesus Christ, he is our lamb. Man, he sacrificed for us. He went to the cross. Jesus Christ is our lamb. He is our cornerstone. Man, he builds the church and nothing will prevail against it. He has a plan and he will follow through. Jesus Christ, he is our lion. He will not stand by. He will step in. There will be a time where he comes again and Jesus Christ will reign forever. He is our lion. Man, don't miss it. We get to worship him with all we've got forever. Jesus Christ, he is our king. That is our savior. This is who we worship. The one who is creator, example, lamb, cornerstone, lion, and king. May we behold him. And all of God's people said, that is how this church fans the flame. That is how we become a light in a dark world. We look for God to move one heartache at a time, one hurt at a time. May God get all the glory. Our aim and our purpose, Him getting the glory. Behold Him. Let's pray.